sheep, uh, while the buckets are being passed, I uh, just want to kind of tell you a couple of facts about sheep. Uh, and we always run a, a theme for the month, uh, and we build on it. We do some different things. Uh, uh, and I actually wanted to say one other thing about uh, Tim and Pam. I, I know that I'm highlighting them a little bit here, but... Um, there's, there's a, we do a, a podcast and we have a website and stuff like that. So you can check it out on the website. But uh, we did a podcast with Tim uh, and uh, about uh, healing and some of these things. And there's, there's really beautiful aspects about who God is in our life. Uh, but one of the most amazing things to tie into and really register is the way he heals us and partners in our healing. Uh, and uh, Tim carries such an amazing anointing, and him and his wife Pam are just incredible in this. Uh, and their passion and partnership with it is really amazing. Uh, and we're going to be looking to partner with them in some of this content as well. Uh, they're really stepping into some new ways and places of of uh, ministry, things that they've been felt they've been called to, and they've been operating in, but in a whole new way. Uh, so, can you just do me a favor, real quick? Because I feel like I need to. Can we just stretch our hands to them, uh, real quick? We just want to pray for them. Uh, I just saw like this crashing uh, of just overflow anointing. I saw like a container of what has been the outpouring of, of your guys' life. And I just saw the Lord just crashing this container. And I just saw the anointing just flooding out. I saw increase. Uh, I saw God just ex- expanding and stretching these places. And I know we've talked about some of these aspects, but I see the intangibles. I see the, the aspects of one-on-one, but I also see uh, crowds. Um, I'm even reminded as, as, as Jesus was moved with compassion uh, to heal in the crowds, and he, and he saw many, many healed, and I just see this place of the crowds, I see the mass healings, I see the crowd healings, and I just see this elevation and this promotion, uh, and so Father, just with our hands stretched, we just pray a portion right now, uh, we just pray all of us, each individual that stretches our hands out, we just, we pray God, just give them an incredible portion. Increase God, multiplication, we love them, we love them, we love them, and we bless them, we bless them. Amen. Amen. And if you guys want, if you guys got any words for them or anything like that, prophetic words, uh, you go for it, you write it down, you give it to Tanner or somebody else and give it to them or give it to them. Always encourage magnification, exhortation. Uh, and it's amazing, amazing. Sorry, I couldn't move on until we prayed for them. Uh, so really believe in these guys, really believe in you. Uh, love you guys, and uh, uh, I, I'm excited to talk about this this sheep uh, theme. Uh, when when we talk about church culture, because really that's what it's about. It's about our culture and identity as Christians, uh, as people that follow Jesus. Uh, and when we think about this sheep mindset, we think about shepherding, like pastors are considered shepherds. Uh, and uh, and in classic language in church, could be you got the shepherd and you got the flock. Uh, and so we're going to unpack some of these things today because there's some aspects of us as sheep uh, that that symbol makes a lot of sense. And it even really works. But there's some aspects of us as sheep that don't work. And that symbolism just doesn't work. And it doesn't truly illuminate or truly define how we should and could operate in the fullness of Jesus. So I've got some sheep facts uh, that I want to pull up for you guys uh, and read to you. Uh, I thought they were pretty interesting. Uh, sheep's, uh, sheep are basically timid animals who tend to graze in flocks and are almost always are almost totally lacking in protection from predators. Uh, most births are single, although sheep do have twins on occasion. Sheep is a meek animal. 
They're usually very quiet and gentle, holding themselves aloof from the world. In a herd, all the sheep tend to listen to their leaders and show esteem to them. Because of the obedient nature, sheep are among the most popular animals beloved by mankind. Does anybody love sheep? Any sheep lovers in this place? Is that your favorite animal? Yeah, you like sheep? That's cool. (laughs) I like lamb chops. So... (laughs) I actually really do. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) Roz leaving. She's offended. (laughs) If a sheep rolls over, this is an interesting fact. If a sheep rolls over onto its back, it may not be able to get up without assistance. A fallen sheep is called a cast sheep. They can become distressed and die within a short period of time if they are not rolled back into a normal position. When back on their feet, they may need support for a few minutes to ensure they are steady. It happens mostly with pregnant ewes and short, stocky sheep with full fleeces. There's a really interesting part about sheep. And when we look in the Bible, we can see examples of the shepherd. We can see examples of the sheep. Uh, in Mark 6.34, it says, When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. This is referring to Jesus. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And then we see the example in Matthew 18, 12. What do you think? If, I, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountain and go in search of that one that went astray? So we see that sheep have this interesting symbolism. Their symbolism is they require instruction. They require protection. They require salvation. Uh, they're, 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 they're timid. They're typically passive uh, animals. Uh, their meal is defined by someone else. Where they will live and where they spend their time is defined by somebody else. The things and the borders and the boundaries around them define where they're going to live. Uh, if they eat in an area and they're not made to move from that area, they'll destroy the ability of the grass to reproduce because they'll eat up the root entirely. So even the way they eat, uh, the, the thing we begin to see about sheep is that sheep have this really interesting symbolism. And in some ways, this symbolism of sheep just doesn't work for us as Christians. In some ways it does work, it works profoundly. Like there was so many times in my life where I needed to be saved by Jesus. How many of you guys have seen that? There's like 50 times, maybe even last week where you're like, Jesus, I need you to save me, man. Or, or there's maybe a hundred times where we needed Jesus to protect us. We needed Jesus to cover us in our vulnerability or in our weakness. We needed Jesus to, to do all of these amazing aspects and be our shepherd. But there's an aspect of sheep that just doesn't work for us as Christians, and we're going to read about it, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. This is, a, if you ever read uh, the, the Bible uh, to understand, like, who we're supposed to be in the body of Christ or in the church, Ephesians 4 is like a cornerstone of church culture. Uh, it's beautiful. It's incredible. Uh, I've studied it for years, and it still just slaps me in the face with something new. Uh, and I love that feeling. Uh, <laughs> how many of you guys like that feeling? You're reading the Bible and you're just, whoa, revelation. So, and he began, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ 
until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of his son of God to mature manhood, to measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So we're going to pause right there. And what we really begin to see is that be, the symbolism of sheep points to our areas of immaturity. It points to the areas of our need for Jesus, our need for someone else to provide strength and sustenance, someone else to bring us something to sustain us. Really, the aspects of our sheep mentality point to the areas where I lack and I need help. But there's a maturity that Jesus brings us in and that his approach with us as a shepherd is not meant for us to be in a forever perpetual sheep state, but in our weaknesses, Christ's strengths are intended to be made perfect. So there's this invitation that we see in even the role of the five-fold ministry, its actual role is to build us up into something greater, is to literally lead us to a meal so that our identity and our transformation can change. See, this is the whole idea of the symbolism of Jesus as our shepherd or of a pastor as a shepherd. It's not to dictate what your meal will be. It's to introduce you to a meal or to a land that you would not have known or would not have been able to access on your own so that you can become something that you wouldn't have been able to become on your own. See, there is this maturing process that Jesus does with us in our journey of following him and trusting him as our shepherd, that the symbolism of being timid doesn't work anymore. That the symbolism of only herding around those that are like us, other sheep, it just doesn't work anymore. If you think about the Great Commission, the Great Commission is in conflict with the idea of, I'm pretty much aloof to the world. Remember what it said about sheep? You kind of stick with your own, you stay in an area, and you're kind of aloof to the world. Well, if you're a sheep, then you can't do the Great Commission. Go out into all the world preaching the gospel, casting out demons. There is an idea of who we are as believers that the concept of a sheep is in conflict with. This passive, timid nature doesn't work for tearing down strongholds. This passive, timid nature doesn't work for being a royal priesthood that has the new covenant of God written upon my heart. This passive, timid nature only spells out and illuminates the manner in which God deals with us in our weakness. The manner in which God deals with us in our lost nature. He pursues us. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. This defines how he is as a shepherd, but it does not forever determine who we will be in these things. Because once I was lost, but now I am found. It's the Amazing Grace song, right? Amazing Grace. There's one Amazing Grace song that I really, really like. It's a rock one. It's really cool. But there's this aspect that we were once this, we were once sheep that required salvation, that required Jesus to be moved with compassion or somebody else to be moved with compassion to give instruction and give healing to us. But the issue with always seeing ourselves as sheep is we never become the shepherds. 
We never become the apostles, pastors, teachers, preachers, evangelists. We never become these things, but we remain in a passive role that always requires the five at work with us. And that if we fall down, we don't know how to get back up. And we require somebody else to, uh, to come with assistance and care and pick us back up or else we'll die. See, the symbol of sheep, it, it illuminates our need for Jesus and our need for others at times. But if we remain there, if we remain in that place and we remain in that identity that we will never realize Father through, we'll only realize what it looks like for Jesus to come rescue us and to save us. And we'll be having him do the same thing over and over again. We'll, we'll have him doing the same behavior with us. Man, I loved it when Jesus came after me, when I was the one that walked away. And if you stay there, then you're always gonna be the one walking away, him going and getting you and coming back, walking away, him going to get you and coming back, walking away, him going to get you and coming back. You'll get saved like 50 times in a year. You'll feel like you're always learning the salvation thing. You'll feel like, man, I'm dirty again. I just need to get saved. Man, I've walked away from Jesus again. I walked away from him again, and I just don't know how to do this thing anymore. And, and what the, the problem is, is that you're learning the same lesson, and the maturity isn't taking place because you're only seeing yourself as a recipient of salvation rather than a person that will deliver salvation. See, this is the adjustment of maturity is that you grow into the fullness that is Christ. And it goes on to say, rather than just being a person that receives truth and love, you will actually speak the truth in love. So you won't just sit in these places where somebody else dictates what meal you're going to have, but you're going to cultivate and you're going to prepare meals for others. And you're not just going to hear sermons. You're not just going to hear something from somebody else that they got from Jesus. But you're going to have a direct connection point where he's delivering sustenance to you. I like that one. <laughs> See, what does it look like when we understand the role of a person that's shepherding? It's meant my role as somebody who would shepherd, which would be the act of delivering care or guidance to somebody in need. See, what does it look like when this act doesn't just become something that becomes a fixed role between you and I, but it merely and simply leads you to the source code of all of this thing and it ends up transforming you. See, I don't want to bring you to a meal where it's like, okay, let's graze on this grass and then we're going to move on. But what I want to do with myself and with all of you is I want to bring you to a meal that forever changes the identity of who you are in that way. So that you won't just walk with me to different places of grass or walk with others to different places of grass or have your 15, 16 podcasts and hear a sermon every single day. But simply this is I would love it if all of the truth and all of the connection points of information and knowledge would lead us to a connection with a person that would lead us to a connection with the Jesus that desires connection above all things, not just for us to learn and grow in our knowledge of him, but to grow in our connection of him. See, I think sometimes we've become so familiar with humankind shepherding us that we haven't grown in our connection to the true shepherd. And this can become complicated because there's nothing quote-unquote wrong with the sermon. There's nothing wrong with hearing your favorite speakers on podcasts every single day. There's nothing wrong with getting meals from other people. There's only something wrong if those are the only meals you're eating. 
See, because why would Jesus have a meal? Or I should say, Jesus has a meal for you. He's prepared a table for you. And if you don't choose to connect with him and eat from his table, from his connection point, his heart, his heart hurts because it's, it's a lack of connection. It's a lack of relationship. It's as if I were to invite my wife to carne asada nachos or carne asada burritos because it's Cinco de Mayo and Mexican food's my favorite food. <laughs> even though it destroys me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Brandon? It destroys me. <laughs> I'm, I'm technically lactose intolerant, um, but I just decided I didn't want to be anymore. <laughs> so I just tolerate the intolerance inside of me, you know? It's like, all right, let's handle this. <laughs> let's make it happen. <laughs> By the way, uh, next week we're going to be celebrating mothers and we've got some cool plans and stuff like that. I don't know why Mexican food made me think of that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it did. So uh, we're in there, and it's going to be fun. But uh, see, it would be as if I were to invite my wife to Mexican food, to some carne asada nachos. It would be as if she didn't come to that invitation, but went with her friend Stephanie and ate carne asada nachos. <laughs> so I still got the meal. I still ate what I would have eaten if I was spending time with you, but the issue is that we don't build covenant connection. Amen. See, if God's prepared carne asada nachos for you, <laughs> and you go to somebody else and eat carne asada nachos from them, it never grows your connection with him. Because you didn't respond to his personal, intimate, connected invitation to you as his shepherd. So he's made a meal for you, and hopefully it's carne asada nachos, because that's a good God, you know what I mean? And he's got plans for me, you know, plans to prosper me. See, what, is it, what does it look like for us to live in a connection with God that has him as our shepherd, that has him determining our meals, and leading us to information and revelation that determines and dictates and causes our transformation. What would it look like for you and I to read the Bible differently? What would it look like for us to pray differently, to worship differently? Not to feel better, not for information, but for transformation. What would it look like for us to engage with our shepherd, not in this fixed, forever needing rescuing, forever needing instruction, but what would it look like for us to approach our shepherd in a new covenant way? So let's see, what is this new covenant way that Jesus outlines for us? 1 John 2.27, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. First John talks about how the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance and write on your heart that new covenant. See, there's an aspect of our connection with God that if our only source of instruction comes from mankind or man shepherds, humankind shepherds, then we don't get that new covenant dynamic and relationship which writes the words on the tablets of our heart. It's different. 
I like, uh, uh, when uh, first service, I went over to my buddy over here, uh, and I just, we were taking communion, which we'll do at the end of today, and I got this word for him right when I just gave him a hug. I said, hey, pray for, I went to him, I got, I hugged him, and I just saw these stacks of stones, right? I was like, hey, man, because we believe in hearing from God for other people and encouraging, edifying, exhorting. So I said, hey, man, I, and I just began to share with him. I said, hey, you know what? I saw that the Lord was calling you a mason. Masons are the people that work with stone, right? Awesome. Whew, praise God. That prophetic word would have been all messed up if it wasn't that. But so I, I go to, I say, I just see God calling you a mason. I see that he's, he's taught you how to author and how to work with and how to, how to have his move happen in people's lives that are hard. People that would be considered hard places, stones. Uh, I feel like God has taught you and instructed you how to author uh, with stones. And I saw these cracks in between stones and I saw like the water. I saw like when Jesus said to the woman, he said, hey, drink of me and you'll never thirst again. And I said, man, it's cool. I just see God saying like, he's shown you how to deliver everlasting life, even in the cracks of the hard places. And he goes, bro, that's so crazy. I had this dream last night where I saw my dad and it was been my dad before he was a Christian. He was hard. He was a gangbanger and all this stuff. And I literally, in the dream, I spoke to my dad and I led him to Jesus. And his life was changed forever in my dream. And he's like, that's so crazy that you just said that because God just showed me in a dream last night that he's going to work through me to speak to those that are hard and salvation and healing is going to take place. So all of a sudden, we see that God is creating this narrative which isn't just how can you be instructed and healed, but it's also in my instruction and approach to you, how does it change the way you instruct and approach others? Ephesians 4 also goes on to talk about father in and father through. The dynamic of how he fathers us isn't meant to just stay as a recipient of his grace and a recipient of his nature, but it's meant to be extended through you to forever change the way you approach yourself and others in that manner. And that's what's perfect about the Holy Spirit is, is the Holy Spirit speaks a perfect sermon to you. Have you ever had God talk to you and like he said three words and it was better than any sermon that I preached? He said more in three words than I said in 4,000 words over four weeks. Have you ever had this happen? I'll read the Bible sometimes and I'll be like, that's not fair that Paul in two sentences did what I could not do in two hours of teaching. <laughs> don't you feel? You're like, that's jacked up, man. That's jacked up. I don't like that. That's not very cool, Paul. <laughs> He's not even around. <laughs> the reality is, is that when God speaks, he speaks to us uh, on, in multiple ways, not just here in understanding, but he also speaks to our spirit. He speaks to those things which are inside of us. He speaks to those places that are hard. He speaks to those places that require a new narrative, that require his strengths to be made perfect in our weaknesses. See, I don't have a problem with us seeing Jesus as our shepherd because there's going to be thousands of times in our lifetime where we really need him to shepherd us. I don't have a problem at all with us seeing Jesus as a shepherd or us even having others shepherd us. I receive instruction. I receive uh, places of direction. I receive places of partnership and healing and connection and support. I receive these aspects as well. And in some ways, I'm really excited to receive them because there's little sheep inside of me that are like, bah, bah, bah. and you just, you, 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 you need partnership. You need community. I'm so for these things. I so love these things. 
But we cannot allow this approach to forever fixate us and like concrete set us into a posture that is passive and timid. And there is this leap of a bridge that we have to go over and that we have to walk over from the land of receiving to the land of giving in the area that we never had before. And this is where it gets really important because there's a way that you lack that your maturity is going to come to its fullness when you learn to give in the areas you lack. There's a part of your maturity you'll never realize until you learn how to partner with God in these ways. There's a part of the fullness of Christ that will never take place inside of you until you learn and to partner with Jesus to the areas that you were a sheep becoming a shepherd. To the areas that you needed salvation, you needed help, you needed healing, you needed deliverance. From those areas to being the deliverer, to being the healer, to being the source of the key point of salvation turns for somebody. See, what place of wrestling do you see? What place do you see in your life that when you got put on your back, you were just dying? What place do you see in your life that you are helpless? Not your strengths, not the things that you would consider great about yourself, but the things that you would consider like, ugh, I don't even like it. Frustrates me. See, with our identity simply in the mindset or the symbol of being a sheep, we'll just be like, I just need Jesus in this way. I just need Jesus in this way. You know what I mean? Somebody else take care of this because I'm no good at it. I'm no good at it. Like I have my gifts and I have my strengths. And so then I hired Tana and my wife because they have all of the strengths I don't have. You know what I mean? But I don't simply go, you know what? I'm no good at communicating details or managing details. So baby, you go ahead and do that. I'm going to leave. I'm going to go to Scandia. Actually, it doesn't exist anymore. So I'm going to go to Mini Grand Prix and I'm just going to ride the go-karts. You know what I mean? You want to go with me, bro? I know you want to go with me, dude. So I don't just operate like this where it's like, hey, those areas I lack, I'm no good in. Hey, somebody else take care of that, would you? Somebody else do those things. But what I do is I say, okay, God, I hear you saying that basically uh, if I were to get turned on my back, then I would pretty much fail and die in this area. So what am I going to do? What are you going to do when you identify there's areas in your life that when you fall down, you have no ability, understanding, or power to get back up? See, this is where resurrection life, this is where connection with Jesus is growing. This is where he's inviting you to a meal that you've never had before. This is is where he's inviting you to see him approach you in a way you've never seen him approach you. Because we really don't get to see Jesus' unconditional love until we invite him to the places where we believe we are loved with condition. When the Bible says, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. In every capacity that you find shortcoming, weakness, and incapability, don't rest on the idea that you have your strengths and you have your weakness but allow the shepherd to truly visit you in those places and lead you into transformation. See, Ephesians 4 says it well. Why did he create this fivefold? He created this fivefold because he wanted to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ 
until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to measure the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. We may grow up into those things which are him who is the head into Christ. See, all of a sudden, when we begin to realize the culture of how Jesus operates, it's not sufficient for us to just see ourselves as sheep. But we must begin to see ourselves as co-authors. We must begin to see ourselves as those that would carry a portion, those that would carry a narrative, and that would carry a rhetoric that is powerful to tearing down strongholds, that casts out demons, that tears down uh, deceptions, that is powerful and strong so that we're not going to be tricked and schemed by those that are wolf in sheep's clothing. See, there's this concept that the shepherd can see wolves in sheep's clothing. It can see something that is a predator to those that are innocent, to those that need care, to those that need protection. And if we're all just walking around as the people that need protection and there's only a couple of shepherds, then we're in trouble. We're in trouble. It was never meant for us to be the full realization of our symbolic identity in Christianity for us to be people that need protection from somebody, maybe five or six people on staff at a church. It was never meant to be our identity that every time we fell down, we needed a pastor or a leader to come pick us up. It was never meant to be our identity that every moment that we needed care, we needed some person to deliver that care. It was never meant to be the fullness of our identity. What our full realization of new covenant reality was supposed to be was that you can connect with Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith, whom the the joy set before us endured the cross. Think and see about all the things that Jesus endured and the reason he could endure them was because he saw Father. He endured all of these things because of his connection to Father, not because he had friends that were supporting him. He died on the cross. Most of his friends left him. Most of his friends declined even knowing him. He didn't do these things because of great mankind's support. In fact, he was murdered by the same people he was trying to bring Jesus' new kingdom to. He was left by the people that followed him. He was left many times even before the cross. All this to say that Jesus did not do what he was supposed to do because of support from other people or care from other people. He did it because he had a revelation of who Father was. And if we do our things as sheep because we see a shepherd doing them and that's why we do them, then we will have a limited scope of our empowered reality. Our empowered reality is I go because God spoke before the fabrics of time to go. I go because it's what he crafted inside of me. I preach, I speak, I teach because this is how he's designed me. See, the whole thing about being a sheep is that we, we, we find our strength and our comfort in being in a huddle and being in a group. Have you ever felt like the church at different times was a little too clicky? was a little too huddly. You ever felt this before? It's because the church has such a strong identity as a sheep that it's all it knows how to do. And see, I love the church. You know what I mean? This isn't like the church as Christ called the church. This is our natural inclination as people. Is that when you're like me, I feel the most comfortable. I feel the most confident in what I believe in when I'm surrounded by hundreds of people that I'm pretty much preaching to the choir. A couple times, and I always love when I get an invitation to do this, I uh, had to speak to a couple people 
uh, or some groups of people that definitely weren't Christian, that definitely weren't friendly to the idea of God. You know what I really like about preaching to those people? Is that they don't really like what you're saying. No, seriously, like they're not initially friendly to it. When I open up my message, I'm not like, hey, let's bow our heads and close our eyes, huh? Let's really get into this. God, just prepare our hearts to receive a great word. It's like, sit back, you prove it to me. And you do it with a group of like five or 10 youth that don't really like Jesus. It's one of the funniest things to do. Because you're talking about Jesus, the hope of the world, and they're like Snapchatting, or they're, they're texting, or they're Instagramming. It's just, it's just such a challenging place to experience, but I love it because there's an aspect of our reality that has become comfortable and confident because we are around like-minded people. But herein lies the problem is if we only see ourselves as sheep, then our only confidence and strength will come because somebody is like us. So we can't truly access the full five-fold ministry because we only like the culture that the shepherd brings. If we only buy into sheep culture, we only like shepherds. Evangelists are frustrating. Stop telling me to go out, man. I got a lot to do, man. Stop telling me to witness to people. It's hard. Prophets are really frustrating. Stop telling me what's inside of me. Stop telling me what's coming. It's annoying. Just care for me. Say something nice to me. Encourage me. Apostles are difficult because they challenge us to build something greater than we already have. It, it requires us to come together as a collective and in collaboration do something great. See, the reality is, is if we only buy into the symbolic mentality as a Christian or as a person that comes to church culture that is sheep-minded, we can't access the diversity that God's intended for us to grow in.